0: Welcome to my world. I'm your host Kevin Rutherford. It is, what's today? Today Today's Tuesday, January 30th. I had a brain cramp there for a second. We are here live. It is time for the power hour. Uh, I hate to keep talking about technology, but technology is still haunting us for some reason. Uh, We are live. The phone systems are working. We've tested them, but uh, we've had a couple weird little anomalies again today. So, We'll uh, keep our fingers crossed. We're gonna bring in the team from Pittsburgh Power. It is time for the Power Hour. We're gonna open the phone lines as well. So pick up the phone and join us. Those calls will get busy, they always do. 855-950-3835 is the number. And with no further ado, we're gonna bring in the team and get started today. Bruce, looks like you're first up on the board. Good morning.
1: Well, hello, Kevin. And as always, it's our pleasure to
0: be here and
1: to help the owner-operators of America.
0: Glad to have you here. uh, What is on your mind this morning?
1: We A lot of times when people call us, I had a call this morning. I have your program in my truck with 370 gears. I want to go to 336. Do you think it'll pull it? <laughs> That's the only message. <laughs> I could tell by the area code he was in Ohio.
0: Yeah, so, interesting.
1: I understand. I called back. I said, is this a quantum truck? Are you in a field? Are you in sand and gravel? Are you over the road? Well, wait to you're in What size tires? He's running tall at 22.5. I said, no. And he is over the road calling light. He does not, he used to listen to you when you were on Exxon, but he doesn't listen anymore because he has a flip phone. Um, I think you need to update your phone. You're only six, 64 gears and what speed that would give him. He pulls pontoon boats.
0: Oh, uh, okay. So he has no, uh, he has no weight.
1: Light? He had pretty light. But then, last week, we had a confrontation, confrontation with an older gentleman. He's 68 years old, North Carolina. His ECM went bad on his V-Def 4. And we had tuned it years ago, and it was pretty hot. And all he told our engineers was, tuned it, set it like the old one was. But somehow, it was so long ago, we couldn't find him in the computer and i'll let leroy elaborate on that but we we set him up in ecm like we normally would and they start to cut back for deck 4 at 1800 rpm
0: do you agree with that were you talking to me or you you oh what i'm sorry i'm we, messing with technology over here when i shouldn't be but uh, i need to so say that we've set his
1: ecm up
0: well, he it'll cut back at
1: 1,800 RPM, which which apparently is pretty normal for a D-deck 4. Well, it turns out this guy drives with 342 gears and Foul 22.5 rubber. He drives this truck at 87 to 90 mile per hour. What? 87 to 90. He's only 68 years old, so he still has the speed in him. And his boost is constantly twenty to twenty-five psi, and his overall fuel mileage is five point five.
0: I'm shocked he's getting five point five at those speeds. Honestly, yeah, yeah.
1: So I mean, um, there was uh, a lot of yelling on his part to us because the ECM that we set up, like we would set up for a normal person, that didn't suit him. So he sent us his old ECM. We got it back this morning and we're trying to download it to see what's in it. And he doesn't, he wasn't willing to drive to one of our remote tune locations so we could tune this and set it up to 2200 RPM from 1800 and give him an extra 100 horsepower. But he did not communicate with us and he didn't say that, hey, I drive this in excess of 1800 RPM. That's, it. That's uh,
0: I can't believe if you're talking about engine tuning and gearing and all these things that, that wouldn't occur to you that you need to tell somebody you drive like a lunatic.
1: That's right.
0: And I talked to him for quite some time on the phone last
1: Thursday to, uh, to tell him that we need to know you're a special case here. You need a special ECM.
2: And
3: we give,
1: uh, I think we probably gave him our standard 580 horsepower, because he didn't know what he had. So it's nice when people communicate with us and let us know. If you're going to leave a message, let, let us know what engine you have and how it's set up, what gears you have, or whatever your question is pertaining to, give us a little bit of knowledge. Hey, hey Bruce.
0: When- yeah. When people call and I know most of the time when you call Pittsburgh Power, you're getting a live person. The answers the phone, that's very common. But I also realize that with people who are working, like Pete during the day or whoever who might take those calls, a lot of times things <laughs> have to go to voicemail. Is there like one voicemail box that most of these questions go to? Is it huge? Uh, do these end up in a no, mailbox? No,
1: it's not mine unless they, unless they ask for me. If they ask for me, they go into my – if not, they go into a general
0: mailbox unless they ask for Pete or ask for Leroy or Jr. That's kind of what I was wondering if they could end up in a bunch. One of the things you might want to do because that, that's always been an issue for you guys is have that in the voice mailbox recording reminding people if they have questions to leave those kind of details
1: yeah that's, that's an idea. We'll have to do that
0: yeah that may help some
1: okay that's what
0: I have all right uh let's hear from the dynamic duo Pete and Leroy. Good morning guys. Good morning, Kevin. How are you doing today i am doing I'm uh, doing okay with uh actually I'm doing just fine, but uh it's kind of a crazy week, and we got a lot going on and we're finally getting to test our, uh, our broadcast software pretty soon. So hopefully soon we won't be going back and forth every day and dealing with these issues. But on top of that, um, I've got probably the biggest program I've ever put together to put together before Louisville. It's a good thing all the material is already there. It's, this material, as far as I, I am concerned, for me is about twice as much material as I present at the CMC and uh, wow. kicking it off at louisville and then we'll do it all throughout the year uh, virtual but i've got to get it all ready before louisville and it's getting here quick sure it, louisville, louisville will be here before we know it Man, you're not kidding
4: it seems to january's a little slow and then february blows by and the next you know it's already march and getting ready for to go
0: yeah what uh what's on your mind today
4: So not a lot. So one Leroy will be joining us. He's in the midst of uh, programming a Mac through one of our remote tuners. So He wanted to get that finished up before he comes in. Um, But back to that one that Bruce was talking about, the the ECM, we generally save the programs. Now where we can run into issues is the name was put in wrong. So when you go to look up, you know, okay, what name was it under? It was misspelled. Or say the laptop crashed that we were using and we lost that. So the gentleman called. One of the guys said, Yes, we could have a program. We could be able to put your program in here. When we couldn't find it, he was told, We do not have that program. I have to build you another one. Is that okay? He said, Yes, it is. Now he keeps complaining. He was never told he wasn't getting his same program, which he was. Oh, boy. And uh, so we try to keep it. Like, you figure how many programs we do, especially with Detroit. You know, it's not like. You know, this Mac program Leroy's doing, he's going to be able to look that up because we don't do many Macs. Right. Um, but when it comes to inference, we do so many. Uh, these guys call up and say, hey, this is Bob so-and-so, but then the company names under something else, and uh, sometimes we just can't find the program. So um, we can't guarantee that we'll have your program. We do the best we can to save it. Um, but as years go on, you know, the laptop could crash. We'll get rid of the laptop. Some data doesn't transfer. Um we don't have that program. right? But, so,
1: well, let, me say, let me ask you this, Pete. Instead of using his first name, he might have used his initials and said SM Trucking. And so we would be looking under his name instead of SM Trucking, right? Exactly. So it's best. It's best if we always keep things in people's first and last name. Uh, a lot of times people leave a message and they'll say their first name real fast but they're in a real hurry to say or they have to say the trucking company name and that doesn't pertain to us we need to know your first and your last name
4: it makes it easier okay. so that's a you know project we're working on um, getting his ecm set up the way he wants it set up but again like i told him you know we're willing to work with us but you also got to um We're willing to work with you, but you have to work with us. I mean, this is why this happened. I mean, it wasn't done wrong, but we had nothing to go off of, you know, because we didn't have – normally, so if you would um, just say you had a Detroit Kevin and we need to program your – all the information is in there we need. We just have to add the horsepower and torque and the response and whatever other changes you might need. But if you go up and say, hey, I need a standard horse program for my Detroit – but your program is dead and we have nothing to go off of, we don't know the inputs and outputs. Um, where is the we don't have all that information, so it makes tuning a lot harder. Right. Got it. A lot of a lot of information my guys need when they do a tune, unless they have the existing ECM that is for that truck and the inputs and outputs are correct. Got
0: it. All right. What else we so, got? I,
4: uh, a little bit of information. I, I just read this. That, so we're talking about how fast this gentleman drives. Uh, California is looking to, uh, by 2027, if you buy a new car, that it can't go over 10 miles an hour over the speed limit.
0: So, so they want California, are we talking about like 70? 70, no. 70, oh, I right. Yeah, it's 70, so you can go up to 80
4: then. Okay. Well, you know, that doesn't stop the person from doing 80 when it's 40, or, and it's I mean, more dangerous. Or through a
0: school zone.
4: I mean, really.
1: Yeah. It, right.
0: <sighs> unbelievable.
1: Yeah. And
4: doing 80 someplace at 70 is probably pretty safe in most cases.
1: All right, now, do you think, like, my Audi reads the speed limits. It, it always tells me the speed limit on the dash. Do you think the ECM naturally has to go to the ECM? The ECM, let's say I'm in a 45 zone, the ECM would allow me to go to 55.
0: That's a good point. That's exactly what they may do because many cars now do that. That's part of all the changeover to autonomous. So you're right. They'll be able to to control your speed limit to 10 above whatever the sign is saying.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Is it time to just kind of... Are going to okay. detach California from the U.S. and let it float over to China?
5: <laughs> um,
1: yeah. You know, there were a lot of people that didn't fear for San Francisco because of that. Yeah. In that football game last Sunday. Yeah. There was a
0: lot. Un- unbelievable. I mean... It- Doesn't California have enough of its own problems to deal with already that they should not be trying to fix other problems that aren't really problems? We've all been able to drive our cars fast as we want for as long as we've wanted. And yes, sometimes people get in accidents. That's how the world works. This This just total government control over everything we do has got to stop. And California is just the worst offender at this. I mean, California honestly treats Mm -hmm. us like children. We're too stupid to know how to live our own life, and they have to write a bunch of rules to keep us all safe and control us. That's all this is. You hear, hear with that um, limiter,
4: you know there's going to be a programmer already working on a code to eliminate that.
6: Of course.
0: Of course. That That's how this works, and it's just insane that we keep doing stupid stuff like this when we have real problems all over, and this is what we're spending time and money on? Mm-hmm. Yep. Fixing a problem that's really not there. Right. It, it, this is not a problem.
4: And if they're going to push this through on cars... Or are they going to push it through in trucks then?
0: Oh, I, I always expected that this would happen on trucks first. You know, commercial vehicles, they always exert more control over commercial vehicles and drivers. And mm-hmm. I, I expected this to happen first in trucking. Yeah. it won't be surprised. Unbelievable. All right. What else? And, do, oh, Pete.
4: Last one would be um, the shop's pretty open. So uh, if the customer needs to come in, we can get them in pretty short note.
0: Good stuff. So pretty much.
4: So, uh, you know, I know we were behind for so long, and I think a lot of people, I mean, we've been busy since before the pandemic. Yeah. Right. And then really busy during the pandemic. So it's been years that we've had open um, so I think a lot of people don't want to call, thinking we're going to be backed up, but we're finally caught up. So if someone needs to an appointment, we can get you in pretty quickly.
1: All right, good. Hey Pete, hey, do you want to mention some of the? Go ahead, Bruce. We have we have several specials we're offering. See,
4: I can do that. Yep. So we're running um, for the shop. And let me pull them up here. Where
7: are they? So
8: what? Uh, Where did
4: Okay, here we go. So one would be, it's going to be um, a dyno run with the manometer, and we'll have the gauges on it, so we're we'll checking fuel pressure, boost. Um, the manometer will check blow-by to let you know how good or shape the engine is in. We do the Hawkeye inspection, boost, test, and check for codes for seven dollars I'd be that runs about eight ninety five for that. So that's one of the inspections we have. Another one is the... Diesel force cleaning with uh, cleaning the D- DPF afterwards, and if you have two DPFs, it's thirty-three ninety-nine. Normally, be thirty-seven thirteen. So a pretty good savings there. And then the, the last one is just the diesel force um, alone. So it's the diesel force, the oil change, the regen, and instead of being twenty-six hundred, it's twenty-two fifty, twenty-two forty-nine actually. So I've got a bunch of good specials going on here. Um, so you know, good for these guys to take advantage of them and we can get them in quickly, which was a problem before we were so backed up. It was tough to run a spectral when the shop was full.
0: All right. Hey, real quick. Um, I'm dealing with some audio issues over here, so I'm just jumping into talk. So the, uh, the people monitoring can check my volume to tell me if I need to turn it up. We're getting a lot of calls that were unbalanced. You guys are louder than I am. So, uh, I'm just checking to see if it's any better or if I still need to, to work on some stuff. And Pete, while while I've got you on here, because you and I were always the ones that kind of talked about this during, the, uh, during COVID and the lockdowns, all those supply chain shortages, and then they lasted, and we were talking about it for a while. Um, it's starting to look like it's happening again because now there's two problems. We have the Red Sea issue. Um, Mm -hmm. ships are being attacked by pirates and bombed, and we're fighting over there, and that's been a huge disruption. Now I understand the Panama Canal doesn't have enough water, and some of the larger ships aren't going to be able to get through, and they have no solution for either one of these problems, and they are predicting all kinds of supply chain shortages again.
4: I didn't hear the Panama Canal one. I heard about the um, Red Sea, and... I had mentioned to Bill, but the price is going up, and he's checked them. He said they've, they've already doubled. Oh. So if you have a container full of stuff coming over uh, and you order it now, it's going to be double what it
8: was
0: week ago. And it sounds like Maybe. that is getting worse, not better. The Red Sea is getting worse, and now the Panama Canal is going to be a problem.
4: We're so, we're, so far, parts wise, I'm, I'm having trouble with the big cam parts again they're getting old so i kind of understand that but as far as isx parts at parts it hasn't been too bad they're probably getting pretty deep um, but again i expect that's going to change
0: Yeah. Um, You know, one thing we might want to do, maybe we could help people out a little bit. We're we're in the supply chain every day because we're ordering stuff, so we'll keep an eye on things. You have a direct line to the supply chain that matters to our listeners. If you could kind of keep an eye on, uh, mostly I'd be worried about consumables. You know, if you start finding out that certain oils are harder to get or filters or, you know, stuff that we really kind of can't do without – that all of us are going to need those consumable items. Can you kind of keep an eye on that and let us know if anything's changing? Absolutely. I will I, do that. And here, here would be my advice to anybody. Um, just knowing that this is an issue, and we'll try to keep up with it, and if we can warn people ahead of time, we will. But I, in our business, we do everything we can to stock up on consumables, even way ahead like three or four times what we need, or what we would normally keep, just because if if you do get some sort of a shortage, it can be really disruptive. For sure, absolutely. so I would uh, I, I would take a look at what kind of consumables you're using in your business, the oil, fluids, filters, things like that. Um, maintenance items you know might be coming up any time this year. Um, I may even buy tires way ahead of time if I had a place to store them.
4: Yeah, tires can uh, have been a problem in the past. I know I was looking for some
0: tires and, and
4: uh, didn't have much to pick from.
0: That That's the problem. We haven't gotten to the point where it's like you're going to be stuck on the side of the road because nobody has a tire, but it's very possible you're going to end up with tires you don't want. Tires that don't work mm-hmm. well in your operation—that the rolling resistance is awful—or it's just—it's no fun when there's something that important and that expensive, and you find out you can't get what you want. So you might want to check those early, and uh, if you can get your preferred tire, and you know you're going to need them sometime this year, uh, I would buy them now.
4: And they're only going to go up in price with the That's shipping true, problems too. we're having. It's going to get more expensive.
0: Yeah, they were talking about both um, inflation starting back up again and getting worse, and then also what they call said you're you're going to see a lot of companies continue with this shrinkflation. You know what that is? It's smaller packaging. Yeah, they don't change your price. You put less goods in it. Yeah. They they keep the price the same the packaging looks identical they they don't make any other changes to kind of tip you off that anything changed but you find out that the one you bought last week was bigger than the package you bought this week for the same price so they don't raise the price they just shrink the size and people don't notice Mhm mm-hmm. When you buy a half a gallon of ice cream it's not a half a gallon anymore is it <laughs> No, no. I don't know. The one that I always found funny is, and I don't know if this is true or not, because it's just something I see on the Internet, but um, I've seen this chart of when a 2x4 actually used to be 2 inches by 4 inches, and now I guess they're not even close anymore. right.
1: Or if you, uh, back in the 50s when we would buy a mallow cup or a Reese's peanut butter cup, it was a nice-sized candy bar. Now it's about half.
0: Yeah. Well, on one hand, it's a a good thing because we shouldn't be eating that stuff anyway. (laughs) But on the other hand, it's not because they're looking out for our health. They're just trying to screw us. (laughs) All right.
4: Leroy, wake up. Well, he's doing a program on a Mac with one of our dealers. So once
0: he's done with that program, he'll pop in. I I think that's an excuse. He's not awake yet. Yeah,
4: it could be. He did look (laughs) awake this morning.
0: Yeah. Yeah there's there's lots of he places to, well with a there's lots of places to well with a clear mind. shop. for
1: sure no, there isn't. We don't have any place to take a nap.
0: Bruce you've got thirty seven trucks in the parking lot. They all have sleepers. I guarantee you I can find a place to take a nap. you wouldn't find me. I'm <laughs> in the building. <laughs> the only place you could
1: you'd have to be in up where we store radiators and charge air coolers. Yeah, I know where that is too. All right. Well, I guess. Do you have any update on new radiators?
4: So, Sean was working with uh, the gentleman uh, today. As a matter of fact, Sean was in, in co- contact with him, um, getting us some prices and what uh, he Sean sent him a list of what we normally use to make sure we put them in the heavy duty four rows that we like.
1: Okay.
4: Sean is was working on that this morning.
0: Okay. All right, I think it, uh, it is time to go to some phone calls let's uh, let's get started in Florida Tony good morning.
2: Yes morning mr. Rutherford guys Pete it's good to hear you this morning
0: Doing what can we help you with?
2: Uh, before I ask my my uh, used truck spec question, Um, You know, with my dad in the truck and everything, they have a lot of these advertisements that look pretty good. Well, I just won't bore you with the fuel gauges question. Do you think it would be absolutely insane uh, to go for a, like, one of these $40,000, you can maybe get a 2.47 pack car with an APU? You know, borrowing that money in uh, in my situation to, to just get an APU where I don't have to idle with a
0: wait, exhaust wait, wait. leak. You, you you mixed up two questions there, and you would never bore me with the fuel gauges question. But you mixed up two things here. You meant you're talking about an APU, but in the middle of that first sentence, you threw in Pack Car. Why Pack Car? What does that have to do with an APU? Well, because.
2: It seems to be the uh the only ones that I can see that are at this price. They have Packard engines. Now there is Volvo, which I almost traded to without your permission on Friday Tony. when I saw that bill. Tony. Yeah.
0: Do you think there might be a reason these trucks are cheaper? Yes. So how how much cheaper and I can promise you right now Forty thousand dollars. No matter how much cheaper it is, it's not worth it. I mean, it, that that truck. I promise you, will get at least one mile per gallon less than a well specced Freightliner or Volvo. We have a couple other options that would be far better on fuel economy. Maintenance is an issue on that Packard engine. We don't handle that engine well in this country at all. We hardly have anybody that knows how to work on them. I don't know of anybody that knows how to optimize one for either fuel mileage or maintenance. So you have a truck that you might get for $10,000 cheaper, and after 12 months, you're dead even. And after four years, you're $40,000 in the hole. That's just fuel. That's not maintenance. I have a feeling maintenance is going to hurt you even worse. This mine's is, been pretty good. Of those I times hear you. When a bargain is absolutely not a bargain. I hear you. I do
2: have to counter that mine's been pretty good at damn near a million miles. But okay, I should have jumped on that Volvo. They're used. They're, they've got like five hundred sixty thousand miles, whereas these pack cars have like four sixty. They they too.
0: Yeah. Let's think about this one issue. If you call here with a pack car problem, we don't have a lot of answers for you. We don't know much about that engine. Uh, it's one of the few engines I have no resources really to reach out to anybody. You know, we've got a right, lot of... What about Cummins? Of- we cover a lot of trucks here, uh, going all the way back to mechanical, then moving into the early electronics, and then the emission engines. I mean, we know as, about as much as we could know about all of those. Um, and when we don't, whether it's, you know, Volvo or Mac, we've developed a lot of good resources around Volvo and Mac so we can help people. I have nothing for PACCAR, nothing.
2: I, I don't know what to do. So you would have been happy with, uh, with the $60,000 Volvo, at uh, at like 4- five hundred forty seven thousand miles used two thousand nineteen with an APU um, that I could have traded into on Friday and I almost did.
0: Depending on the specs, I'd be much more interested in that truck. I know what I'm getting. I know I can if that truck specced close to being right. I know I can get eight and a half, nine, nine and a half miles to the gallon, depending on how it's specced. And now I don't even need to wait two years to break even over what you were talking about. It's going to be less than two years. Everything after that would be a loss on the other truck.
2: I might have gotten lucky with a 2.64 on those. Now, did Henry say that there are only two trucks in the world with a 2.15?
0: Available, I believe so, And and that makes sense. It would probably be, well... Probably, I would think, Volvo Mac and Freightliner. And that's because those are the only engines that are really designed to go down to those really low RPM. True downspeeding. And that's the only reason you would need gears that high, is when you're really trying to downspeed.
2: And you would be okay if I got a hold of a Cummins. Uh, I might have missed what you said. At, at that price, you know, the 40000 400000 mile range.
0: Let me address that. I, I would not own a Cummins today. I've said that for a long time. I don't like them. I think they're overly complicated. I don't see them performing all that well in the real world when it comes to fuel mileage and maintenance cost. But at least you've got a great resource for fixing those. Pittsburgh Power, they, they're still really good at those engines. So that's one plus. So at least we've got something there that I could say, well, you could have a good shop, you could have somebody that's going to help you when you've got a problem. I I just don't like the engine. I, I just never have. I've just never been impressed since, since they left the N14 platform and went to the ISX. I just have never liked that engine.
2: Well, since we're leaving Bruce and Pete kind of high and dry here, I do <laughs> got to say that my... <laughs> My pack car has lasted a million miles, and it's not really much to, much problems, and that only leaves me uh, really one choice, what is a Volvo.
0: fuel economy?
2: This, uh, since going 60, or, or including before I went 60, is something around 7, I would say, pretty, pretty uh, consistent.
0: Well, there's part of the problem. Why are we talking about, I think, kind of, sort of, something around 7? I mean, you... Why isn't it just well my lifetime average is seven point three seven well up?
2: because with me I think sorta is pretty damn close it's it's not like five between four and eight it's or between five and eight it's it's between uh six point nine and seven point one
0: okay because I've
2: it's... compiled that in my head from all my ifTA reports uh, my head has automatically uh, computed a instantaneous average and I just I can just
1: do that in my head.
0: I think your head needs recalibrated. Kevin, anyway,
1: Kevin, we we do we do have a lot of guys running that car engine that are running the max mileage catalyst. We're not hearing problems.
0: But. I'm not. I'm not too concerned about the problems. And here's part of the problem: if we go by what we're hearing on that engine, it, it's skewed because there just aren't that many of them. So if I hear a couple problems, that that catches my ear a lot more than if I hear a couple problems about a Freightliner with a DD15 because there's a gazillion of those on the road. So when I, and let's throw the maintenance aside, let's say that that truck will never give you a maintenance problem. I'm just not at all happy with seven miles to the gallon in today's world, not even close. Eight doesn't excite me anymore. I mean, in today's world, nine plus is what's going to keep you safe. And there's no reason not to shoot for that. It's your biggest expense. It's the biggest place we have to save money. And uh, to me, it just doesn't make sense to spec a truck in today's world where right off the bat, I know I'm going to lose a mile per gallon at least. I did
2: buy this truck in 2016 with a 3.25 rear axle. Uh, Don't really know if I knew at the time how much that would mean. I think seven's pretty good with that. But I do have to say I'm pushing back on all those pack car problems. Uh, mine is is the anomaly, and I do run the catalyst.
0: Well, and like I said, throw the maintenance out. I, I can't you know say that it's it, it, the trucks that I track have a higher maintenance cost than than average. Not a lot. So, but I can set that aside. The fuel mileage is a slam dunk. We can just look at that and say here's how much it's going to cost you every year to own this truck because the potential fuel mileage just isn't there. We don't know how to get it out of that engine.
2: I was going to justify the Volvo uh, because of fuel. I know I would save you know, this amount every year, even if I do everything else wrong. That's correct. Uh, I just couldn't handle the, the interest, so that's why I called. I was supposed to finish my yearly uh, profit gauges, but me I ask got this. Maybe we'll up,
0: this question, and then I'd
2: have my number.
0: Maybe we're approaching this question wrong. I don't think you're going to do much better fuel mileage by going out and finding another truck with a pack car. I think you're going to end up in about the same range. Why not just keep yours longer?
2: With with, uh, going from 325 to 247, it's not going to save that much?
0: We got to remember... Every time we talk about this gear change, we can't talk about it like moving from this ratio to this ratio increases fuel mileage this much. There's no formula like that. And there isn't because there's too many other variables still involved. What I can tell you is I don't know if I can find a single PACCAR engine in our database and fuel gauges that is beating nine. It just doesn't happen. But I have tons of new Volvos, Max, and Freightliners that can do it. So just on averages alone, we, you could, we can sit here and say, well, if you move from this ratio to this ratio, we should pick up that much. Well, well, sometimes we would, but there's too many other variables. That 247 might put that engine in a range that it just doesn't like. There's, we still have to talk about transmission and tire size and freight and all those things, but all we have to do is look at the averages. This is the beauty of having a database like fuel gauges. I can look at the big picture and say, if it were possible to really squeeze a lot of fuel mileage out of that pack car, we would see people doing it in the database. We just don't see those kind of numbers
2: may have to go against you and just and just uh, hey, get another pack car and, and just kill you. Yes, I can hear everything you can do whatever that you want. With-
0: why, why not keep the one you have?
2: Uh, I needs an APU with my dad riding in it, um, and with the you know the exhaust leak I don't know, it, it's getting pretty old, and it, I mean, it'll last forever, but it's just the, um, that exhaust leak that I don't really want to fix, but okay, I'll, you know I'll keep it. I'm not
0: moving any quick. Oh, hold on getting, uh, paying a finance card. We have to think about this. Because this can happen a lot, and it's more likely on the pack car because we don't know as much about it. They aren't, there aren't as many there. If we know right now what kind of fuel mileage your truck gets and what the maintenance cost is, I can't think of anything big coming up that you're going to need. It, so you're at a million miles. We're not in-framing these things hardly ever anymore. I don't know how long they're going to last. Most, most of the time, the first buyer isn't keeping them long enough. To find out, uh, trucks today, these engines are lasting a long time. So we don't have any big expense that we can see coming on your truck unless there's something you haven't told us about. And there's always a risk of going out and buying a truck and it not performing anywhere near the way we thought it might. You might end up with a new pack car that gets six and a half, not seven plus. Now it, the problem's even worse. You may end up with a used truck that somebody didn't take care of the emissions, and now you're going to be fighting emissions problems until you get them right and get enough catalyst run through it that it fixes it. There's an awful lot of risk well, you know, in, in changing trucks. You've got to think it through, and is there an yeah, upside I am to change? So am just kind of worried. So if yeah. you look at a truck that could potentially get nine miles to the gallon, there's our upside. But if you're going out to buying a truck almost identical to what you've got, there's no upside. There's only potential downside.
2: I am worried about uh, the next major breakdown. They're telling me the uh, oil pan is leaking. I don't buy it. I saw it.
0: Wait, Tony.
2: I think it's stranded on the road with this truck. So that's, you know, kind of why I'm looking. But I'm, I'm not afraid to keep it.
0: Well... I would rather keep the one you have than go buy another one just like it, just a little newer. We're not, like I said, we're not really gaining anything. Let's go back to the oil pan. The shop says it's leaking. You don't think it is, and and we can't figure out whether it is or not. And if it is, that's a simple fix.
2: Okay, so that doesn't mean it needs uh, it needs an in frame
0: because we might have a leak at the oil pan. No. Yeah, they also didn't. Know, uh, they said that my fleet
2: uh, air filter needed to be changed, I guess they couldn't find it. I had just put it in. So so then, and he said, oh, yeah, I didn't see it in there because it was, uh, you know, so secure and tight. Oh, yeah, I did see it down in there. It's the same shop that told me I needed to change my air filter. They probably didn't even look.
0: So when they said you need to change your air filter, what should your response be?
2: Uh, I didn't think to say a professional organization? Did you even look? But yeah.
0: No. Uh, no. What
2: could my response be? Why? Why? There why, you why? go.
0: Perfect. Because I want to hear from them why they think this air filter needs changed when they could barely find the damn thing.
2: And yeah, I actually did say that that it I needs changed. And they they went back and said, oh, oh yeah, uh, sorry, we found it.
0: Oh, we found it, and we were telling you it needed changed before we could even find it. And then if they found it, they should realize it's not a standard paper filter. Pretty obvious. It doesn't need changed. Maybe it needs cleaned, but I kind of doubt that even. They're just no the shit out of their And ass. this,
2: I do got to say, so people know, it's Peterbilt, Tampa. So I've already been out of Fort Myers. Now Tampa's next. Uh, looks like I'm going over there by Paul to, uh, to Petro, Oklahoma City to get my and fly home. But uh, before I... One last thing you mentioned, um, now if I keep this truck, I accidentally threw my keys to the enterprise rental car drop box. When I returned it, I threw it in, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure that they have a set of keys to my, to my truck. Uh, is that a reason that I can buy a new one?
0: Um, I I don't know if this is still true or not, Pete, you guys probably know this, um, Most truck manufacturers that I'm aware of have a very, very limited number of keys. Um, I do know for a fact Volvo was horrible at this. I don't know if they had more than about seven different keys for every Volvo that was on the road. We used to share keys back and forth at the FedEx parking lot on Volvos because the odds were somebody else's Volvo key would open and start your truck. I don't know if that's... Pete, is that a thing with all the other brands?
4: A year ago it was. I know the Packard products, I mean, we would have extra keys and say, probably the keys where we couldn't find them. We just
2: grabbed extra keys we had until one worked.
0: Yeah, and usually it wasn't hard to have find
2: one to say, that, that at That stop. I asked about this, and he actually said that my truck is, is less than the newer trucks. Like the newer trucks, it's easier to, to find a key, but on, on mine it's not.
0: Okay, interesting. Tony, I you never, don't need to, I never me, knew of this let me, problem. Let me address your question. Tony, you don't need any excuses to buy a new truck. You get to buy a new truck anytime you want. You're just calling and asking me for my advice, and my advice is I wouldn't buy a new truck in your situation, but if I did, I would make sure that I was getting significantly better fuel economy. And I had a truck that I had already found pretty good. that could work on it.
2: You're making that car look pretty good with the amount of time I've spent with it, Go
0: especially ahead, if then. I can... Uh, Knock yourself out. Keep going. Thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's go to South Carolina. Tony. Good morning. Good
6: morning. Thank you for taking my call and thank you for everything that y'all do for us. Welcome. Uh, I had a question about my got my thirty four oh six E at ninety nine, and I had it rebuilt. I had the platinum kit put in it uh, by a local shop. Got two hundred and thirty-three thousand miles on it, and it started putting pressure into the coolant system. Uh, I think it's probably the liner protrusion because they didn't check the
1: liner protrusion. Uh, You're exactly right. That's that's what it is. Uh, we have a client friend. He had a cat reman engine put in, and his liner protrusion is low. That's that's what happens. When people don't check line of protrusion, you notice we talk about that in the past. We've talked about it all the time. You want to look at the factory spec. And if it's 3 to 5, you want to be at 6. You want to go 1,000th over factory spec. And when you take an engine in to be rebuilt, you need to tell these people, I want to be 1,000th over the factory spec on line of protrusion. If they look at you, Strangely, you know that they don't know anything about line of protrusion, and then ask them to see their tool that cuts the upper counterbores. Right. If they don't have the tool to cut the upper counterbore, ask them, how do you check line of protrusion? And then do they have the correct dial indicator with the the base that's about a foot long? So there's a lot to line of protrusion. You know, it it adds almost a day's labor to make everything right on the upper counterbores, but... So for eight hours of labor, you're eliminating future head gaskets being blown. Do you have a 2WS or a 1LW engine? Do you have a 2WS or a 1LW? 1LW. Okay, it's a good engine. You just have a line of protrusion issue. You... So do this. When they, pull, when they pull the head off, tell them to, put the, to check the line of protrusion with the dow indicator and go to the three thousand thinner deck plate, and that should fix your problem. And if they don't know what the 3,000 spinner deck plate is, give us a call and we'll tip it to you. Uh,
6: 3,000 spinner deck plate. Yes. Um, and then if that's a problem, that's all I'd have to do is just take the head off, put that in, put it back together,
1: and I'm good to go? Probably. I'd like to know what your protrusion is. So have them like it in 10, 2, 4, and 6 o'clock. On the liner, the uh, intake manifold being 12 o'clock, and having them mic it in four places. So we need 24 readings, and then we can advise you better. Okay. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. And if they don't want to do it and do it right, bring it in. We'll make it right.
6: All right. Well, thank you very much. That was uh, what I need to know. I was wondering if it's going to have to be a total rebuild or.
1: Uh, no, it doesn't need a total. All right. Okay. And thank you. Uh huh. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for the call. But Kevin, this is becoming an issue again because we haven't talked about it for a while with liner protrusion.
0: Bruce, when? Uh, that's how far the
1: liner sticks up above the block.
0: I, I I know we've been talking about this a long, long time. When when was the first year you guys identified this as a problem and started talking about it?
1: We discovered a line of protrusion back around
0: 1981. Wow. 82. <laughs> uh, and we're still talking about it, and so many shops still don't understand it.
1: I don't understand it.
0: A lot, I'm not saying they're bad mechanics,
1: they just don't study the fine points of an engine.
0: Bruce, why, why do you think, after decades of this, that CAT itself hasn't caught on? and made it made a bigger issue about how to correct this. Yeah, you know, that's that's amazing to me. Yeah, that just... It, it seems like such a clear-cut case of there is a much better way of doing this, and they just seem like they just want to ignore it.
1: Not many mechanics don't know anything about a torsional damper.
0: That too. I know. I know. Hmm. All right, let's... Uh, go to South Carolina. Nick, welcome. I also want to let you know, this is our last call on the board. I'm not sure what's going on today. Calls are usually much heavier than this. Maybe we better yeah. go
1: back to the basics after this call and talk about some of the basics.
0: Might Hello? You Might have to, although I will say this. If we get to 9 o'clock and we run out of calls, um, what, uh, what, what, they, what does the president say? They're calling a lid on it. I think that's the term they use when Biden needs to go sleep for the rest of the day. <laughs> We're going to put a lid on this today if uh, we don't get more calls. I have a, I have a CMC to go work on. Nick, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind today?
8: Hey, I got a couple things for you. Uh, one of them is the CMC. Oh, good. Um, I really want to go. Really, really want to go. But they're not letting trucks park there until starting on Wednesday afternoon. We- so I'm just trying to figure out the
0: logistics on that one thank you for making me aware of that we hadn't thought of that yet so uh yeah there they don't let trucks in there until noon on wednesday angie if you are listening could could, um you make that point to lisa Uh, let her know that we may have a truck parking issue uh because the cmc is going to start and they may not be able to get in and see if we can um get with toby and find a solution to that Thank you for that. But think about, it. Let's talk about. Do I
8: get a discount
0: now? yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking.
8: I actually, we'll I'm give, not going to have that we'll and give you, the, you a free T-shirt. That's right. There you go. No, that'll work. I'm, I'm actually not going to have that problem because I'm not bringing my truck. I actually went out and bought a bought a camper just for the CMT, so I can stay right there at the site. So. Oh
0: man, that's. Uh,
1: when when do they allow the campers in? When, they, when the when's um, the camper allowed?
0: saying. Because yeah. they have campgrounds there all the time. Right. You could book a camping spot virtually anytime you wanted. Sometimes the issue is a, a lot of the shows, they sell out that RV parking lot pretty quick. So if there's a big show I before, to prior, then you may have a delay before you can get in. But usually you can get in to the RV park just about any time.
8: I talked to them yesterday. They got like five hookups left. And fifteen dry left. So if you're going to book, you need to book.
0: I'm surprised, knowing that they have five hookups left. I, I keep going back and forth whether or not I should just jump in the coach and take another road trip, but I just don't have enough time. I don't think.
8: Yeah, we can have the party at your your place. I know,
0: I know. So we'll see. <laughs> but thank you for the heads up on that. That could uh, that could save us. Okay, no problem. Um. Actually, I'm,
8: I'm kind of at the end of my career. Not in. I've got about another seven years, eight years left that I want to work. Um, I'm probably never going to quit. I'm going to find something to do. But I have a 16 Freightliner Columbia glider. I love this truck. Um, it's starting to get a few miles on it. And I'm wondering if it would be worth. I'm getting over eight miles a gallon. I go. I use about a gallon of oil every twenty thousand miles. Uh, just wondering if I should think about replacing it. If it'd be cost effective for me to replace it over the next eight years, or um, change, put the gearing in this thing that I want to do because I've only got I got three fifty five with a ten speed, and it's not really drivable in the mountains. Kind of sucks actually.
1: Well, a, g- a gallon of oil in 20,000 miles is no oil consumption. If you really like the truck, why have you lived with a 10-speed this long? Why haven't you put a 13 or an 18 in it?
8: I'm um, lazy, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, just just don't want to spend the money, you know?
1: Well, I have things for that, you know. Yeah, I know. You, I know. you today, we'll come back and bite you tomorrow, so.
8: Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm coming up, you guys are going to, I'm going to have you guys do uh, a radiator in this thing. I got a two-core, and in the summertime, I just have a hard time getting up the hills without getting real hot. Yes. And oh, at, how old are you? I'm
1: 60. Okay.
8: Okay. I mean, I'm not going to quit trucking at all, but I'm going to cut way back, you know what I mean? Sure. I'm
1: going to... I'm got... so I go to... When I, I when turn, turn seventy six, in the year when I turn seventy six, I'm gonna cut back even further.
8: <laughs> well, you're cutting back pretty good. You're down in Florida, aren't you?
1: I'm in Florida. I still work every day, though. Yeah, I see too many people that are retired and are bored to death.
8: Yeah, I I go stir crazy after about a week off the road. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely go stir crazy.
1: Yeah, I'm so, down here he got he sold it from, he ran local western pennsylvania and his wife sells real estate down here and he's down here in a condo and uh, the only thing he has right now for transportation during the day cuz he has the car at work is a bicycle and I was with him yesterday and uh, he, he's 81 years old in great health and uh, he's going a little stair crazy <laughs> I said, you should have yeah. kept one of those trucks. You should have kept one of those trucks. You could have worked down here in Florida in the winter and Pittsburgh in the summer.
8: So I got a question for whoever. Um, when I bought this truck, uh, in the ECM, it had a factory setting for 450 horsepower and 500 horsepower, and they asked me where I wanted it, so I had them set it at 500 horsepower. Would that be causing my heating issue, the more fuel?
1: No. No. 500. Okay. Right, that's, that's basically stock. What's it make for boost? Do you make 30 pounds of turbo boost? Yes. Okay. That's 500. Um, are you keeping the RPM up at fourteen, fifteen hundred, 1500, maybe 16 when you're going to work it on a mountain? Yes. Okay. It, it's, it's radiator. A when radiator. It. Yeah, you said it's the radiator's two rows, so it's just a bad radiator. Okay. So you could put the auxiliary coolant tank on. That would help you. But let's start with a good radiator first.
7: Yeah, I going to have you
1: guys you do that. Cooling, if you need more coolant, put the... And while you're there, let's put a 13-speed in it. Put a set of ah. 64s in it. What? Uh,
8: how much do you think that would cost, The whole thing? Yeah, the whole thing. About 18000 Okay. Eighteen or
1: 20000 and then you, if you love it now, if you love it now, you would really love the truck.
8: Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to think on that one. But I'm definitely going to do the coolant or the uh, radiator and the dampener. Um, I actually asked myself, I parked my truck at a stop in uh, South Carolina, and I asked my mechanic, well, he's been a mechanic for 50 years, supposedly, about the dampener, and he said, "You don't need to change those things." I don't know who's lying right. to you Let's there try There you it. go.
1: There you go. He's been so, here fifty years. Has he been living in a cave? <laughs> I'm a good mechanic. Yeah, he's probably good at putting on mufflers and brakes and uh, and
5: uh,
1: on wheel bearings and changing oil. Yeah, he actually
8: has a whole awesome. drive. He has a whole drive line shop and all that stuff and. He obviously don't know nothing about the engine, so about the dampeners anyway.
5: Wow.
1: So. 50 years. Yeah. That'd be 70 years old, 68 or 70, and he doesn't know about that.
8: Yeah, he don't. So, anyway, that's all I got.
1: Years ago, he should have seen back whenever they were using the one, the damper that was rubber mounted, Uh, a lot of the old four-and-a-quarter cats had those, and, and they would spin off, and... So your damper was gone. The outer ring was gone. And did that not, uh, he, he he had to have seen that. That should have set off the light bulb in his head, saying, man, what's causing this? Why does this happen? What does this do?
8: Yeah. Let's cut it open and see what's up. You know, I would think. I yeah, would. That would be me, you know, because the first thing I do when I buy something is I figure out how it works,
1: you know. That's right. So you need to figure out why a thirteen-speed works so much better than a ten-speed.
8: Well, I I know I've had a thirteen-speed before. I it know it's so much nicer to drive in this thing. Oh.
1: And how long have you been driving this ten? How long have you been ten?
8: Uh, three years.
1: Three? Okay. Well, that's not so bad. I thought you. Well, were going I to say get that. great.
8: I get great fuel mileage with this thing. I get at sixty miles an hour. I I'm right at eight point one. So. I think that's that's great. That's good. Um, Oh, I got one more thing to run by you. Um, I want to put the fleet air filter in. And I'm on the road, like, a lot. I'm never home. What kind of ideas would you have for cleaning this thing out
0: on the road? Take At the very least, make sure you get two sets of wraps. So then when you do have a place and a time to clean, you've always got an extra set. So then when you need to change, you just change. Then you find time to, to clean the other one. So I would definitely have two sets okay. of wraps. It's not that hard to clean on the road. I mean, it, it's, if okay. you plan ahead a little bit, it, it, you don't need much, mm-hmm. a bucket and a faucet. I mean, it's all we really need to clean it. And then a place okay. to kind of okay.
1: you could do
0: it. You could do it in the RV island at a Flying J. Yeah.
1: Especially during the night, nobody's there. You know, I used to go in there yeah. at one thirty in the morning. I cleaned my entire rig while I was putting fuel in. And, uh, no one ever came out. And told me that I couldn't have my hoses and my brushes out there cleaning my truck and trailer. <laughs> so take your five gallon bucket and some Dawn. You can clean it right there. Okay. Bring know. it on. Hang it on. up inside your bunk. Hang it up. Okay. Just hang it inside your bunk, and it will dry overnight.
8: How often do you got to clean the main unit, the main the main housing? Once a
1: year. Support? Once a year. Okay. Unless, unless you're in a lot of dirt in your construction sites, that's different. But generally, over the road, it's once a year.
8: No, I, I run uh, 95 between... Florence, South Carolina, and uh, Miami, so
1: that's all I do. Oh, yeah. So you're clean.
8: So anyway, alright, well, maybe I'll pick one up when I come up to see you guys. Uh, I probably won't be out you there until so, May or so. So right, we'll yeah, do it then. You want,
1: to have the 13, you want me to have the 13 speed and the 264 is ready? Uh, I'll call you on that one. <laughs> alright,
0: sounds good. Thanks for the call. We, uh, We got a bunch of calls so obviously people still want to talk so we'll still hang out and answer your questions we're going to go to texas daniel welcome
9: hey good morning guys how you guys doing there
0: good what's on your mind
9: i got a a couple quick questions for you there or uh i guess a comment there i i heard on part of the opening you're talking about the speed limiters right how california was uh putting that 10 mile per hour whatever it is and then and And i know I was seeing something yesterday about the truck one that the uh i guess they didn't put it in the uh i think i forget what it's called but the uh, f m is s c a has like a a thing they gotta publish the publish the rules proposal whatever it is i'm not really sure exactly, but i know they gotta um they gotta do it ahead of time and i know they said that they uh proposed it for may of this year. For the for the speed limiters on the on the semi trucks but they they put it up for may and then some of the other ones some of the other stuff they didn't even put in that uh that writing so so they said that looked like it might you know go ahead because the broker transparency one didn't go through they didn't put it on that list but i don't know you know may turns into next may again or whatever but i didn't i didn't catch all that when you were talking about it earlier about thought this I don't know if that means anything or not, right? If it's getting closer or for us, (laughs) hope not.
0: Yeah, all I can tell you about the FMCSA is every program that, organization has ever attempted is a total disaster and all they seem to do anymore is just keep kicking the can down the road and say they're, they'll pick it up in the next session. So um, the FMCSA should just be eliminated. I, I can't think of a government agency run worse than that one and that's a pretty low bar anyway. Yep,
9: hopefully, hopefully next year.
0: Federal Motor Carrier, Carrier Safety Administration. It's a fairly new organization. It was—I always forget the history on this, but we had the DOT and um, trying to remember the other organization, and I am just drawing a blank. But then they created the FMCSA, and uh, since they have virtually every program, they've been in charge of is just a mess, Bruce. You know, when we we measure things in business, you know, if something's really important to you in business, you measure it. The example I would use is is FedEx monitored their on-time delivery rate religiously every single day. And they, you know, always tried to make it better. And they were up in the high 90% most of the time. Most of the time, high 90% of the packages got delivered on time. That's not the case anymore. They've been struggling. Everybody has. Uh, But compare that to they're in the high 90% of reaching the goal they set for themselves. The FMCSA claims that every carrier in the United States that has authority needs to be audited by them. They get a safety audit to make sure you're doing all the stuff you're supposed to do around safety correctly. That program has been in place, I I believe, over a decade now. I have to go back and look. It's been quite a while. Um, How many of those carriers do you think the FMCSA has been able to audit? What percentage of carriers, after all these years with that program, what percentage do you think have been audited? Just take a wild guess. mm -hmm. How much? Well, Uh, six, (laughs) six percent. Ninety—they failed ninety-four percent of the time.
1: Do we even need them?
0: No, no, we don't.
1: I'm not a guy that I don't need rules. I just like common sense.
0: Common sense is exactly right, And, and if you common sense, why? Let's let's go back to the deal: parking a
1: semi at Louisville. A day or two before the Louisville truck show, the field sitting there. It's empty. It's empty. The world's largest truck show. Why can't a semi show up on a Tuesday? Yeah, I know. It's only common sense.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: When I ask people, they say, well, that's our rule. Anything in life. I'll say, well, why do you have that rule? Well, we just have that rule.
0: Yeah, I just love that. Or, I or the better answer is, well, that's the way we've always done it. Yeah. That one yeah. makes me crazy. So what? You've always done it that way. If it's not good, stop doing it. If there's a better way, then do the better mm-hmm.
1: way. Yeah. PSA, you know, whenever you're going through safety to get on an airplane, I had some brass inlets on my boots a month ago, and it was setting off the machine, they wanted me to take my boots off. And I said, no, your floor's too dirty. Well, what do you want us to do about it? I said, clean it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was Great. a tough one. How hard? Vacuum the goddamn thing. Just clean it. Yeah. I don't want to walk in your dirt yeah. with my socks. Yeah. You know,
9: so. All right. Um, Daniel, anything else? Well, I have one more for you. Yeah. Oh um, boy, I had to I, th- I thought I'd just mention that just, to, but I guess I wasn't all right right one. Um, now,, it, okay, pretty like right now, uh, maybe like next year or whenever some trucks start coming down like on the uh on the trade-ins or whatever, I know the, you know the, the trucks are a little bit high still right now, so, and I don't need one right now, but I was thinking about, you know I have money saved up for this time, you know what I mean, to just go do a cash purchase, whatever I need. Um, I was thinking when it comes a little bit, you know, when the prices come down a little bit, I was thinking about upgrading to like maybe a 20 or 21 uh, truck. Um, but I was wondering on those years, um, pretty soon, like maybe another year or so, I I might be just running the holidays. Um, during like just running the holidays during the, uh, uh, and staying at for school during the um with the kids and just leaving out. To do like trips on holidays, you know, and try and make you know make as up as much as I can, you know, do like you know maybe what six, seven, eight trips a year. But what I was wondering is if I get a death truck, you know, that it, it, that's gonna mess everything up, right? If I, if it's sitting for half the year or like for like, you know, it's not getting a, a load. Cause I know you gotta have a um like a heavy load to make the the region work, right? If I'm if I mistaken.
1: Now, you won't have any problems. Uh, my pickup truck sits for seven to eight months, and it's in a garage, and I don't have a death issue. I have the max mileage fuel borne catalyst in it, but you'll be okay. Why do you want to buy a new truck if you're only going to do six or seven loads a year?
9: Well, because, uh, well, when, uh, because right now, my trucks are, well, it's already, uh, it's already giving me uh transmission problems because it has a automatic transmission in it. And when it's, and, and I think when, you know, the the trucks of 2014 and with your favorites, it has a pack car in there, and it only gets like, like 6.2. It's a lifetime since I've had it, 6.2 driving it at 65. But that transmission in it, um, you know, hell, that thing's already like costing, you know, for like already just the tra- the clutch and all that stuff. It's already, you know, it's a lot of money for to replace the clutch and all that stuff and tow trucks and getting stuck in certain places. So when I was when the okay. when it's time to do that transmission to finally just go out, I'm just gonna park it. I just whenever I don't wanna, you know, since it has a pack car, I, I don't wanna put, you know, uh, that much money into it, like $10,000, 12000 you know what I mean? Because I know the pack car motor, I- I'm not going to replace that. It's just when something okay. major goes wrong, I'm just going to park it and have a backup. Okay. It might be cheaper in the long run to d- fix the, the transmission or something like that, but no, I don't want to, when the t- it comes time for something on the motor, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best way to think right now, but. How old are you? uh 54 54 and you get by with running
1: six or eight loads a year
9: well i, I will next year I, okay. I i save a lot that because I, I i save a lot and i just you know some, sometimes you're just working through the holidays if, if you don't have no bills i don't have bills so everything's i learned from kevin a long time ago pay everything off in cash and don't have no bills on anything so i don't have to worry about I can stay home for a month or whatever. <laughs> Everything's paid for already. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Anything okay, else? So, um, no, nah, that that be it right there. That's more than enough there. So. All right. All
0: right. Good luck. Maybe I get
9: a maybe I get a nine mile per hour, an eight mile per hour truck, right, a Volvo or something.
0: <laughs>
9: yeah. yeah. Hey, Kevin, have you seen the prices coming down yet, or are they still
0: kind of high? Used trucks are way down. Used trucks are way down. New new trucks, we're not going to see drop as much because they're much more impacted by inflation and shipping and all kinds of other stuff.
9: Okay, but the new ones, like the 21s, 20s?
0: Well, 20s, I, when I say there. new, I mean brand new. New to me is not sort yeah, of 20, new or maybe yeah. new or newer. New is new. New truck prices are affected by inflation and the supply chain. There's no way around it. Used trucks are more affected by supply and demand, and supply and demand is in our favor right now. So used trucks, even a, I don't care if it's a 2023, if it's used, you're going to get a better deal on it. If it's new, the OEM can only drop their price so much because they're still being affected by these inflated cost of building and supply chain problems
9: okay so do you think probably be better to pie it, it's going to go like the further we go into this deal into 24 the probably the prices are going to drop even more
0: right because
9: I, I don't need the truck right now I'm, my truck's running good this I, is I, you know something
0: as a backup I can't promise anything's going to keep coming down. We're pretty darn low. They might, but I'm pretty confident they're not going up anytime soon, so you don't have to be in a hurry (laughs) worry about it.
9: Okay. Okay. All righty. Well, I appreciate you guys' help there, and have a good day there, and we'll talk to you guys on the next one there.
0: You're welcome. We're going to head north of the border this time. Hold on. Uh, Now, I clicked on the wrong line, so we're just going to take it. It's easier. We're going to go to Illinois. That's not north of the border uh ken north of some borders it, yeah i was just gonna say it's north of i don't know what <laughs> kentucky or something go ahead
5: uh i got a question about liner protrusion and comments about liner protrusion you're talking about my question is uh how much does liner protrusion think over the life of the engine you've uh you is there any way you can figure that out? I, when I tore my engine down at a million miles, my liner protrusion was at basically two-and-a-half thousandths. Would you have any idea of where it was when they started? or
1: What engine is it?
5: It's a C-13 Cat, a KCB.
1: C-13 Cat. Um, but years ago, manufacturers used to take the blocks and set them on the field and let them rust. Here, right. and then bring, right. bring them in and shot peen them and machine them, and, and that helps. Today, they don't do that. So on the cat, it's amazing to me that the liner can sink because it does have the liner sits on top of the block, and then it has the deck plates, but they do sink. Mm-hmm. And, I never thought about how much do they sink in a million miles. Pete, do you have any thoughts on that?
4: I don't know, simply because we never know where they're at. An example is the uh, the cat you were talking about earlier, the line of intrusion with went a little over a hundred thousand miles, and it was at ones and twos. So you know, it was it's below spec in that short of time. So you know, did they set it low to begin with? Was it on a low side? Uh, we always set ours on the high side of the spec we do them here, but I don't know if I've ever, you know, say, did an engine and then, you know, years later have the head off and mic it to see how much it sank, but they, they do all sink. Um, but I don't know how uh, much. Know how to
5: well, another question then. You, you set them at the high side. Is there any disadvantage in, to setting, setting them at the high side? And I have a reason for that question. But I mean, go ahead. Is there any risks you're taking someplace else because you set it at the high side?
1: Well, no, if you go
5: too no.
4: high we've had oh, back it would be, but the high side of the spec perfectly,
1: yeah. We I go one thousandths over the maximum specs. So, say on a big cam, it calls for three to six or four to six, we go seven, and we've never had an issue on the cat. We usually go six. So,
5: I, I was reading you know, something, and people were talking about breaking the liner plan just when they got high, I'm like, I've Been around trucks since 1981 or before that, and I've never heard of the liner plan just breaking. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bruce, I've heard you talk about watching some YouTube channels before. Have you ever? Has anybody ever heard of the Adept Ape? Or he's a cat mechanic up in uh, Idaho.
1: I've seen him a uh, couple times.
5: I was watching. He was cutting. Counter bores set liner protrusion on a c fifteen and say you know the the heck was two to thousandths, and he was setting them at three and a half and I tried to ask him he never would answer why he was setting it so low, and I didn't know if the three and a half would be good for a million mile engine or if it would sink too much over the time that was that was where I, my original question came from,
1: wow, I thought he was a cat expert that you kind of yeah, well, that you
5: watch it my C13, when they, I had it rebuilt by a local shop. We put Caterpillar Platinum Kit in it. And, you know, when they started to fit it back together, I was not there that particular day. I was there every other day that they were working on it. My liner protrusion at two and a half and three, and said the the spec was two to seven. You know, he said I'll put it together if you want me to, but you'll have Ed gasket problem Head gasket was why we tore it down in the first place. Actually, throughout this thing's entire first life, it you know burned a gallon of oil in 4,000 miles, and about 12 to 15,000 miles, it took a gallon of antifreeze. Its entire life, and you got to believe it was going out the stack. They overhauled it. You at the time they would not cut counter bores on a C13, so we pulled the block out. We found out the block was and uh, you know, we line bored it, did everything to it, and I'm at a million one fifty-seven on the overhaul now, and it's a, still a better engine than built it new.
6: Pretty amazing.
5: And they, I tried you know, to get them to go to, uh, they, they set the liner protrusion at six and a half. They wouldn't go to seven and a half or eight or not anything six, like nine. you
1: said. Six and a half is good. I, I never yeah. heard of the cat being set at seven. If you, Pete? I always thought it was like three to five or something. But six and a half I, would be good.
5: I'm sure that he said seven on, uh, I'm sure that Dave, Dave Josh said seven that time, but I know they told me seven on this on this one with
1: the yeah. upper end of spec so oh. the old we, kt series cummins that had the six single heads they were playing with nine thousand line of protrusion on that okay i did not know that
5: so, uh we okay. got in a big argument locally where one of the local farmers got a truck with a oh it had a factory remand crate engine cat you know with paperwork everybody was bragging about the with paperwork and so you know, I wasn't impressed. I'd rather have one that was rebuilt locally that I knew was done right, not just within the range, and nobody seemed to be able to understand that, but at uh, two to 300,000 miles, they had that factory reman torn apart with head gasket problem.
7: Yeah.
1: So. yeah. And maybe Mark Dinslage could call in. Mark, I know you're listening. Call in and talk about your issue. So he's on a 2WS
5: cat. Okay. Well, that's really all I had. I didn't know where I should go when it's time to rebuild it again, I guess, but uh, I I could go another place. I could address, you know, you talk about replacing parts before they break, Bruce. Yes. And I've gotten in trouble with that where I replaced an air compressor at a million miles and at 400,000 miles, that air compressor stuck, had a front bearing failure, which stuck the rod out of the block of their compressor. But with that front bearing gun it also wiped out the gear train on the front of this engine wow uh, yeah everybody was telling me oh you can drive it put a new air compressor you can drive it and get it home and i had it hauled home and the amount of shrapnel that was in there i was really impressed with that there was not a speck of shrapnel sucked up into the oil pickup tube so i was in the screen so i was pretty happy with my decision to have it hauled home but Along that same lines, you'll probably have a conniption fit here. I've got 1.9 million miles on the turbo on this, on both turbos on this thing.
1: Oh, I
5: Every time we look at them, and I say, should those come off? There's like you can't find any better ones to put on it.
1: No, right?
5: So I don't know. You know, I've got, I've won and lost both ways. <laughs> so. I think if I had
1: a million-mile on an air compressor, I think I would probably change it.
5: Yeah, but uh, the the replacement one only went 450,000 miles and had a catastrophic failure that left me sitting. Right. I I mean, the other one wasn't making noise, wasn't pumping oil or anything. We just changed it because we were doing a platinum overhaul on it.
1: I understand.
5: But, anyway... Yeah, along that same lines, my rear drive shaft in this truck has never been out of the truck. Still got the factory U joints in it at two point one million. The, the front <laughs> drive shaft I rebuilt at one point two million, and I've had to put U joints in it two times since then now. Uh, uh, and that's I'm where, where, where do you live? Northwest Indiana.
1: Okay. Well, and
5: everything's sounds supposed like to be factory spicer. We know not to put cheap parts in this truck.
1: Right. Sounds like you're a very gentle operator.
5: Uh, I try to impress upon people y'all, you know, that are driving with me or around me that every time you move your foot on the pedal, it's going to cost you money. So plan ahead. Don't, don't step on it unless it needs it. There it you go. So you don't need
0: it. All right. Good stuff.
5: Feather
1: in and feather out, you know?
0: Yep. We've got to move along. We've got to head off north of the border this time to Alberta. Derek, welcome going today. Good. What can we help you
3: with? Yesterday, I didn't even know about the first dose. Uh, I have uh, 300 gallons or 150 aside. Do I dose at the 12 ounces and then you know just what I put in after that or do I uh, just you know when I go to fill up today uh, you know, if I put 100 gallons in, do I just put the uh, amount in for that? If that makes
1: sense. So, so let me ask you a question. What do you think you should do?
3: Well, I think I would initially dose it the whole 300 gallons. And then... You're
1: absolutely correct.
3: Oh, okay. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, I just wasn't.
1: And then the next time you buy fuel, if you're buying 100 gallons, you put four ounces in. Right on. That's,
3: that's okay. what I thought, but I was like, ah, I got call them. right on.
0: Perfect. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's uh let's go to Oregon. Jody, welcome to the program.
7: Hey Kevin, thanks for taking my call. I have uh I have an ISX question. I'm doing an in frame. Who would be the best person for that? P questions do you have? Oh. Okay, Okay. so I'm working on it. It's a 2012 ISX 2250, uh, 600 horse. Uh, blue, the head gasket on the number five cylinder. Hold the head. I've got 10 uh, thousandths protrusion on the intake side, and i got 7 thousandths on the exhaust side, 9 thousandths north and south. Um, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that the protrusion on the ISX needs to be around 14 thousandths. Uh, do you guys have an opinion on that? And then the second part of the question is, uh, a lot of guys are going to the stainless steel shims. I was kind of wondering what your thoughts were on that.
4: OK. So the, I, I think on the iX engine spec is 8 to 12. Uh, if you had your engine steering, I could verify that. And they have what's called a mid-stop liner. So the liner protrusions, uh, the, the, the uh, ledge is halfway down the liner. In a meteor part of the block so it doesn't change as much but my concern is uh the protrusion being from one side to the other off so they have minimum maximum liner protrusion uh minimum uh liner protrusion between say one and two or two and three and then across the board you can't be more than two or three thousandths out as well as on the liner when you m- mic it in four spots i think there's only one thousandth one and a half difference, again, I could look this up with the engine serial number, uh, between A, B, and C, and D on your one liner. So if it's sitting angled, you said one was nine and one was 12, that, that's an awful lot. I think that's going to be a problem, and it's going to need cut. Um, and we, yeah, we use the stainless gems. There's no problems using them.
7: Okay, okay. That was kind of like a. I am just thinking, you know, if I do raise the protrusions up to, you know, the 14,000 like they recommend, you know, um, you know, with the brass, it seems like the brass would kind of give a little bit by pressing down all that pressure on top of the head. It seems to me the stainless steel might—I'm you know, probably overthinking it—but my thought would be put a little too much stress on that uh, on that counterboard.
4: So yeah, I you know the yeah they are. Cat those two is stainless. You know, one of the reasons like the N14s ran a, a brass one was the brass would take the beating and not the the block, which would do some cracks in the counterbore area, and then also it would seal better. Because the brass is soft, if there's any infections in the liner or the counterbore, it would help seal any any possible coolant leaks. So, yeah, I, I think that brass would work better, but they're using stainless, we're not
7: seeing any issues with it. Okay, fair enough. All right, guys, well, I sure appreciate it. That's all I got.
0: All right, that's all we need. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Pennsylvania this time. Austin, welcome to the program.
10: Hi, how are you guys doing?
0: Doing great. What can we help you with today?
10: Got a question about fuel mileage, and uh, I'm really curious to know. The last 30 days, of my fuel mileage has been awful. I mean, it's been—I can't give you a real number, but it's been in the 60s for sure. Um,
0: well, first off, why—why why can't you give us a real number?
10: Well, I can't pull it up on my phone. Look at it directly. Um, I can give you my 90-day my is 6.67.
0: Okay. Is, it has something changed significantly, or is this just normal mileage for you?
10: Oh, no. My 90-day average is 6.45. No, it's changed dramatically in the last 30 days. Like, okay. It's just so, skyrocketed down.
0: So like, we're trying to figure out why.
10: So I had pretty consistent. I had 6.87, 7.2, 7.51, 7.0. 6.30. Then I had seven. Then I had 3.63. Now that was because it was below 40. I was idling a lot, and the winds were 50 mile an hour, and I was fully loaded. Well, that 50 mile a headwind.
0: Right. So, that's- so, so that's what we call an outlier. We just throw that one out. It's meaningless.
10: Okay. Yeah. Then I had a 4.81, which is kind of meaningless too. So the same situation. But then I have 6.43 and 6.77. I left Salt Lake City and drove to Des Moines, or drove to uh, Omaha, filled up, and I only had 6.43. That seems really low to me considering...
0: Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, though. Your average is right around 7. So 6.3, 6.4, not an anomaly at all. Wouldn't even catch my attention you can easily swing that much in one trip for a dozen reasons okay now if this becomes a pattern if this becomes really consistent like two weeks at least i would give it it, you know it's winter time we just went through some horrible weather all across the country we're we're certainly using winter blend fuels it did this is not surprising, and it, it like i said it wouldn 't even catch my attention. I would just consider this pretty normal for this time of year
10: well, I also run a step deck and I have a high top truck so and then when I was running van that 's where I was seeing these seven really high
0: steps. Uh, oh well there's there 's a detail, so I said there 's a dozen reasons that could happen i wasn 't even thinking of that one, but if you switched from a van. To a step deck with a high-rise, yeah, absolutely. You're going to lose fuel economy. One, the van, forget the high-rise part of it. Vans get better fuel economy because they're more consistent and we don't have aerodynamic problems. Open deck changes every single load. Yeah. Well, see, that's
10: why... Did
1: Did you notice a change in the amount of turbo boost it took pull these loads yeah huge difference huge you're talking five more pound boost
0: seven yeah yeah so so here's the thing to think about most people don't realize most people don't realize the the one issue that changes dramatically in the winter time is aerodynamics we don't think about that The air is much colder, and it's more dense, and it's hard to push through cold, dense air. Now, you multiplied that effect because you went from a van, which is fairly aerodynamic, to an open deck, which every load is different. I am not surprised at all that you saw that. That could have been worse. Hmm. Well,
10: um, here's
1: what I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to think about. If pulling that band, if you were able to go at your cruising speed, on average, let's say 5 or 8 or 9 pound of boost, and then you went to the drop deck and you saw that you were at 12, 14, or 15, you just took an extra 100 horsepower to pull that trailer. That's your fuel mileage. The the boost gauge is telling you that uh, something's pulling harder. So the answer to that would be, Slow down a couple mile per hour and get the boost down to where it used to be, and then the fuel mileage will be where it used to be.
10: Yeah, I run about fifty eight sixty, so I run right in between there. That's why I'm kind of curious to know why that fuel mileage, I guess, okay. it really is because, because of.
1: So the when influx. when you're running fifty eight to you're running fifty eight to sixty, and the wind's not blowing, and you were pulling the band trailer, what was your boost on the level?
10: Oh, it was probably low. It's probably like five like what, what
1: it needs to be or right? Which okay, all right. So if it was at 5 and then you changed trailers, what did it go up to?
10: Probably 8 to 10, I would assume. Okay. If all I had right. to get
1: No, don't, don't assume. But you, you see that gauge every day. So if you went from 5 to 8 to 10, if you went from 5 to 10, it took double the power. So.
10: Hmm. I really didn't think about that one. Yeah. Now would it be worth is there anything I can really do to modify this truck or would it just be worth it to kind of find another truck that's more spec flatbed? That's kind of what I'm want also wanting to know.
1: Your high rise is it a can you take that piece
0: off?
10: It looks like or I could, yes. Yeah, yeah that off. would
0: make sense to to get it off if you're pulling open deck.
10: Okay. But then wouldn't I have to buy a low top part for it?
0: I don't know. There's several different configurations, and years can matter. And all you can do is is either get up there and look and kind of figure it out yourself or take it to a shop or call a shop and ask if they have any experience. I mean, they should be able to look at a parts schematic and figure out what it would take to to change that.
10: Okay. Um, I mean, it couldn't be because I need to change my fuel filters. Could that be a reason? Could did bad fuel filters cause fuel mileage to go down?
0: Well, why why are you, Austin, hold on. Fuel, how many miles are on your fuel filters? Well, well, hold on. Before we answer that question, Austin, you gave us all the details, and my, my answer was I'm surprised it didn't affect your fuel economy more. We've identified why it went down. I mean, we can talk about fuel filters and could they cause a problem? Yeah, they can. We don't have any indication here that that's the problem. We know what the problem no, is. I-, I expected the drop to be worse. Now, what I find on fuel filters is I'm going to notice it in my everyday driving before I'm ever going to see it in the fuel mileage. You you, you lose power up at the top end. You know, you get up into top gear and it's just really a dog. You're constantly downshifting a gear on the slightest little hill. That's an indication, you know, we've got a fuel filter problem. And that's going to show up before you're ever going to see it in your fuel mileage. And we've already identified what the problem is.
10: Yeah. Well, I guess maybe I'm just thinking, I was thinking something else. But- yeah, maybe it's time. I don't know if it's time to like trade in for a new truck. Or I, I don't know. I don't really want to do that. That sounds silly to me. But
0: what have you done? What have you done to this truck to improve fuel mileage?
10: I uh, do the max mileage fuel catalyst, which I know that doesn't help that much. Um, and I also added the fleet air filter, and that's it. I've thought about adding the air dog, but I, it's really expensive to add.
0: Hey, hey, hold on, Austin. Hold on. We got we got to change your thinking. If you think a modification, and and we haven't talked about flow below yet, air tabs, tire rolling resistance, engine tune maybe. I mean, there's so many places we could go to improve the fuel economy on the truck you already have. You haven't done much yet, really only one or two things. We know we could take that. We think we could take the top off. That could be a half mile per gallon alone. We could add a couple other things, pick up another half or more. And what I heard from you is, well, that's expensive, but you're ready to go buy a new truck. You don't think that's expensive?
10: Well, yeah, that is. But like, I see it as, this is how I look at it. I, I just want to see, I know that's probably a wrong way to look at it, but putting money into this truck versus buying a new truck and then putting the money into that truck because that's the truck that I'll probably really want to keep for fuel mileage or build, or you know buy a spec truck for fuel mileage and start adding stuff to it. I mean, that's kind of how I look at it, but I know that's not the right way to look at it.
0: Well, you didn't talk about how much any of this is going to cost. Uh, Honestly, I can promise you this. If we do everything possible to your current truck, we could probably get a mile per gallon better, maybe even a little more, and not even come close to spending $10,000. You go buy a new truck, I guarantee it's going to cost you way more than $10,000 to make that switch. You always have to sell basically wholesale, and you always buy retail. Then there's always the risk that that truck you buy doesn't get the fuel economy you expected it to. There's no guarantee that it will. We know what you already have. I mean, unless there's something you haven't told us of some reason why you should get rid of this truck... If you're only doing it for fuel economy, that's going to be a big mistake.
10: Yeah, well, yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I guess I'll try doing out of those things or looking. At, or I know I can get the air dog added for about I think eighteen hundred. What I was quoted.
0: A, a flow below, you're at couple thousand. You could do again. We could look at other things. If you pulled into Pittsburgh Power and said. Go over this truck and tell me everything I could possibly do to get better fuel economy and give me an estimate. I guarantee you, we're not going to get anywhere near $10,000. Sounds like
10: something I need to plan.
0: Um, it's the way I would do it. And And look, here's the thing. We're not looking at your truck right now. I'm going on generalities based on what you've told me. If you pull it into Pittsburgh Power and they go over and go, look, you know, we're, we're not going to get much more out of this and you've got some issues here and, and they can tell you all that stuff, then maybe we look at it again. Maybe it is time to, to upgrade or replace, but that's not what I'm hearing right now.
10: Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess that's what I hear from some people telling me that, that it's time. I don't think it's time because obviously I don't want a big truck payment current right now. I don't want to take something on but it's not gonna fit my budget right now. So Exactly.
0: Yeah, so here here let's do this. Schedule a time to go in with Pittsburgh Power and if we can make it on a Tuesday we'll we'll do it on the show itself.
10: Okay. Yeah, I definitely can do that. I mean I can come in I mean I can I, 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 I can call in and I can try to schedule something like that.
0: Yeah, let's do that.
10: Okay, I did have one more thing. Um, there was a caller that called a couple. Might have been a couple months ago now, but he was he was talking about climbing Mount Whitney in California. Do you, do you remember
0: that call? Yeah, that's Mark, the car hauler.
10: And I guess I guess he, I, from my understanding, he wants somebody to do that with. Was that what he said?
0: Uh, um, like know Maybe I don't remember. He he may have said that. Yeah, he would like to have some He would like to have on owner
1: operators join him in mountain climbing.
10: I'm into ice climbing, ski touring, all that. So if you want to give him my number, he can call me. That'd be great. That's something I want to do this summer as well.
0: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll work that out. We've got your information. Mark's probably listening. He'll reach out to me, and we'll we'll make that happen.
10: Okay. All right. That's all I had. Thank you, guys. I will uh, look into getting that scheduled so I can get in and figure out what's going on.
0: All right, good stuff. We'll look forward to doing that as a special project here on the show. Pete, you can make that happen, right? Absolutely. That'd be fun. We can. You guys get it in there and maybe we do a Hawkeye report and we do a fuel mileage evaluation and, and figure out what he's got there and then help him make a decision. Yes, that'd be good show. Sure. All right. And with that and we're if gonna wrap oh, go up him putting
1: the air dog on. How much would it be to put a fast system on?
0: Yeah, we'll um, we'll look at
4: price, between the two units. I think there's a big price difference.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll take yeah. a look at all that when it's in there, and we'll, uh, we'll help him decide all those things. All right, anybody have anything else they want to close with? We're going to wrap this up. One
4: quick thing for me. So we're talking about ISX liner protrusion. So I looked it up. For a 2050 ISX, which I think that gentleman had, spec is 712. On one liner, the outer round should be more than one and a half thousandths, where his was laying, one was nine, one was 12, so that's off. They don't want more than four thousandths difference between any liner across the cylinder head, which seems like a lot to me. Um, I would not let one put that high. Um, and two thousandths between, say, cylinders one and two or two and three, which also seems high, and we try to keep everything up within one, Again, I start the spec and in one thousand across the board, and you know the truer that is, the less chance of having head gasket issues. Got it. That's it for me. Okay.
0: All
1: right. Good night, Kevin.
0: <laughs> All right. Nobody has anything else. We're going to wrap this up. Sounds like we're good. I think- All right. Thanks to the team from Pittsburgh Power, as always. If you have any. Other questions between now and next week when we do it again, give them a call. We will see you back here tomorrow for Destination Health. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.